I'm Alex. I'm Shannon. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? I am here to tell you about beer. I was just reading the other day that it's a toss-up between beer and bread for why humans had agriculture in the first place. But that was cool. Which came first, the beer or the bread? Uh, we actually don't know. That's interesting, because I had read, very recently I read something that definitively stated that beer came first. So now I'm I'm very curious, like, what are they not telling me? Yeah. I think I might have read the same propaganda. But Big Bread doesn't want you to know. <laughs> I read this on Tumblr, so take it with a grain of salt. The uh, The idea is that people liked beer, but couldn't keep it year round, and so they baked it, I guess. I don't remember the details. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and Shannon, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? I started an Etsy store. It's called Natural Stitchery and it has two things on it. I'm looking right now. Someday it might have more things on it, but I am slow. I'm not finding it because... The internet hates you. It's, that's fair. That's I don't pay to advertise it or anything. Uh, on it, I have a, a monarch and a lunamoth cross-stitching pattern. Uh, I found it. I found the monarch. Wow. You did it. And in the works are a rainbow set of butterflies based on actual butterfly types that exist. And also a set of California-based butterflies that have royal titles in their names. So according to this, the Luna Moth cross-stitch costs six seventy-nine Canadian. Wow, that's a lot. I think it's only like three ninety-nine US. When I searched for Etsy natural stitchery, the link that came up was for the Etsy homepage. I guess it was the Canadian Etsy homepage. It is possible that I accidentally set it up in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you charging per stitch? Because that would be the sensible way to price these things. I suppose so. I have been considering whether I should charge more money for the larger or more complicated ones. But like ultimately I'm giving people a piece of, not even a piece of paper, a PDF, that then they have to do all the work. So. Oh, oh, I thought, I thought you were selling the... You're selling pixel art. I am selling pixel art that I made, yes. Yes, yeah. I, I thought you were uh, selling the object because I didn't read the description. I'm just selling pixel art that I made with some very basic instructions on how one would make it into a cross stitch. Gotcha. Also, facts about the butterflies. Uh, would, you, would you like to start on some topics? Yeah. Yeah. What do we got? I forget, and the spreadsheet is somewhere. Uh, I wanted to talk about a cool new YouTube channel that I've found lately, and see if you guys have found any cool new YouTube channels lately. Well, that's good, because your topic is, discovered any new cool YouTube channels lately. Wow, that is my topic. What a coincidence. <laughs> uh, and this channel is called... What, Journey into the Microcosmos, I think? As far as I can tell, it's like a guy and his cool microscope, and he goes and gets like scummy pond water and finds cool organisms down at the microscopic level that are like eating each other and wriggling around. 
and each one is like 15 minutes long and it's just microscope shots of the thing like doing its jam and he talks about it and talks about why it's cool and i think it's really cool really chill like an oral history of pond scum if they were interviewing the bacteria yeah that's that does sound very good it turns out microscopes are very good now you can really see a lot of detail uh-huh. and he talks in this soothing voice about these little tiny creatures in like a very endearing way. It doesn't feel quite like a narrator, but more like somebody in the know who knows that you're in the know who wants to tell you about these things like they're kind of little friends of yours. I can't really describe it, <laughs> but it's it's not a typical nature documentary style presentation of facts. Yeah, he, he's always going on about like, oh, you know, I was preparing this one for the slide and I was really worried I was going to hurt him with like squishing him between the film and whatever. And he's like, oh, here's like, here's one with like a long neck and you can really see him wiggling around and just like, yeah, very fun. My grandmother uh, used to do this essentially, but obviously she didn't have YouTube, but she had a room in her house that was entirely just jars and jars and jars and jars and jars of pond scum that she'd collected from various places, mostly in California, but also a couple other states. And she had her microscope and she would spend a bunch of time in there just looking looking at her pond scum and seeing what she could see. And I can remember going in there as a kid and, and looking in the microscope and, and finding stuff. And we had to report to her what we found and she would take <laughs> notes on what was in the various jars and they all had locations. And anytime we went on a trip without her, we always tried to make sure we got a, you know, an empty water bottle full of whatever pond scum we found. So. This is very good. Do you know if uh, the micro the microscope they use has like, is it a USB microscope? Is it for like streaming on Twitch? That would be cool. <laughs> I would love it if it was like the the Twitch Plays X where you could like navigate around. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be very cool. Yeah, I hope I hope there's like a blue Yeti microscope <laughs> that supports that hooks into the Twitch chat and it has motorized inputs. I bet you could make like a little XY table that moves the thing around. I'm, I'm saying I want this to be a consumer product, so everybody's doing it. You want there to be a competitive scene, okay. Yes, exactly. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh so the the YouTube channel that comes to mind for me is called A Life Well Tasted. Ooh. And it's uh just Robert Ashley making dinner wearing a GoPro. Uh oh, okay. I see. I see what he did there. Who is that? The guy who did, among other things, A Life Well Wasted, which is one of my favorite podcasts that was like six episodes long. Yeah, it's a, it was a documentary series about video games that was extremely overproduced. Like, <laughs> he insisted on doing all the music himself and it was ex- like very, very heavily like edited. I say, I say that this show is heavily edited, but I put out one a week, so it can't be that bad. And I, I think he just burned out on making these because the the time spans between them just got longer and longer. Like the span between the currently last episode and the one before that was a year. Yeah. And the and that was like six years ago. Yeah. 
So I'm still holding out hope that it's, it's he's just exponentially increasing the time between. And so it's only a matter of time. Right, right. And hoping that you live long enough. Yeah. Well, I'll never see the episode after the next episode. That's for sure. Right. Maybe my grandchildren can enjoy it. I don't know much about this guy, but the way you're talking about it makes it sound like he can live a life well wasted because he's an immortal who <laughs> has infinite time to make these excessively complicated videos that your grandchildren <laughs> will someday see. I think the the wasted is um, referring to playing video games. I saw him get in a real like knockdown drag out fight on somebody with somebody on Twitter about how playing video games isn't really wasting your life. Hmm. And he <laughs> it was just like it was it was real nasty. I mean, I, I guess if I was going to trust anyone to make that argument, it would be the guy who's spent a significant fraction of his life making six episodes of this great podcast. <laughs> I guess so. Uh but the uh the cooking show is great. It's not really edited. It's just there are cuts when the GoPro is about to overheat. <laughs> But aside from that, it's just like real time spending an hour making dinner and you get like the interruptions where like his six-year-old comes to him and shows what's happening in his Stardew Valley game. Nice. Cute. It's it's very good. I'm going to have to check it out. That sounds enjoyable. Well, I'm going to recommend um, Serpa Design, S-E-R-P-A Design. Which is just this guy who is really into terrariums, haludariums, aquariums. He just anything that has an um in it, uh, he builds it. He does these really cool builds. Recently, he's been doing a series of DIY ones where he lists all the tools and materials and where you can find them. And uh, the first one was way too complicated so he he followed up with one that was much simpler and said a lot of you guys commented that the last one was far too expensive and complicated so here's something a lot simpler but yeah he just builds all these really cool all these really beautiful things knows a lot about plants and it's just sort of very soothing to watch and and enjoyable and i'm always impressed with the amount of work that goes into uh, the amount of artistry that goes into building both the practical part of the tanks, as well as doing the sort of landscaping with the, uh, with the plants and, and that sort of thing. So I've, I've been enjoying his channel a lot and just generally enjoying the channels of people that are, have a niche interest that they're really into. That's, that's been my, my vibe lately. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's so it's so delightful, I think, just to hear people get really excited about stuff yeah. that they're really into that, that you wouldn't have thought about before. I, I just really enjoy it. Totally. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we just saw the, a video about this guy who's got a channel about ants, and he was talking about how, you know, he lives in this condo, and he's got the room in his condo that's all ants, like floor-to-ceiling ants. <laughs> And then he's like, this is just not sustainable. And I have to keep the room at like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's always too hot in there. So I just went out into the rainforest and I'm building this massive, massive house in the rainforest. And like three quarters of the house is for the ants, though. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, that, this guy's got it all figured out. That channel is Ants Canada. <laughs> I don't know why it's Canada. He's 
clearly in the Philippines. But um, yeah, he really loves his ants, and he he films videos of ants that are like, I mean, they're they're exactly like the kind of thing you'd see on on Animal Planet, where he's like, but you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> and then there's a dun 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 and a pause, and like it fades in, fades out, and it's like the next day, and the answer is always ants. Ants is what <laughs> happens next. But it's just, uh, it's pretty amazing to watch it. And he just has a, a ridiculous amount of enthusiasm for his aunt. That's very good. Yeah. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Sure. Shannon, your topic is how to use ice witch powers for the good of mankind. Okay. I've got to be honest with you. I was originally pitching this as just like, so I was thinking about the movie Frozen, right? Yeah. And how... Elsa, I think it is, is mm. an ice witch, essentially. Uh-huh. And at the end, it's sort of like, I mean, she kind of ruins her whole country real bad. And then at the end, she unruins it by controlling her ice powers. But there's sort of this implied, now she'll be queen and also has these ice powers and that will be useful. And I'm like, how how are the ice powers exactly how are you going to use those for the benefit of your country? Like, what are these ice powers for? And it did not even occur to me that you could use the ice powers for fire suppression. And that is the most obvious thing. She could be a firefighter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think she should give up the, the queenship to her sister and become a firefighter. So I haven't seen frozen, but I have seen the music video for let it go. Okay. Same difference. In that music video, she's like in an ice palace on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And so I had just assumed that she only had ice powers where it was already extremely cold. No, she she made the country cold. Oh, it, it wasn't cold before. That I mean, that's like a part of the plot is that she basically ruins her country's agriculture. I, they don't really get into it, but it's implied. <laughs> And then there's this empowering song about how she's going to let go of the the restrictions that she's been yoked under. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going totally based on the movie because in the movie she can also create life apparently. So that's weird. Ice life? Yeah. She makes like a sentient snowman and... Oh, yeah. Olav. I know about Olav because of the New York Times crossword. Oh. That's good. Don't you have a... I guess your child isn't old enough. Yeah, he doesn't understand TV stories yet. He only wants to watch music videos. You're mm. safe. Anyway, I just feel like if I was like a superhero or whatever, my power was I can make things cold or build things out of ice. Like, is there any practical use to put that to in society? And I, I think you got to it immediately, which was fire suppression. But is there anything else? Like, You could make beverages cold. That is useful. Yeah, but like, so can a refrigerator. But do they have refrigerators in this in this society? Is it that advanced? Yeah, I'm, okay, imagine, here's the scenario. It's modern day, it's today. Uh-huh. You, Jim, yeah. now have ice powers. I would, I would address global warming. Yeah, can you address global warming with ice powers? Could we remelt the ice caps? I, yeah, I would go to the melting... Go to the melting glaciers and refreeze them. Yeah. There you go. That's a good use. 
Yeah, I feel like the the being a firefighter or especially the chilling people's beverages has like the same problem as Batman, right? Like he's using his billions of dollars to stop like petty crime when he could be, you know, out there refreezing the polar ice caps or whatever. Yeah, so maybe the way to do this most efficiently would be to put on magic shows where people pay me a billion dollars to wow them with my ice magic and then use the billion dollars to fight. I'll just donate to the ACLU. Okay. Yeah. Do you think which of those is more effective, going and refreezing ice caps or making a lot of money and donating it to good causes? What for my first trick, the ice caps. (laughs) Why not both? (laughs) I see. I see. I would definitely also start exploring the idea of using ice powers to set up some sort of a perpetual motion thing, since we're talking about magic anyway. Huh. Yeah. You could make a, a, a big Sterling engine or whatever. Like, normally you do that by making a hot side, but why not make a cold side? Why not both? Ooh, why not wow. get my twin brother, who has fire powers, to heat up the other side? No, just get your Charizard. You got your Charizard right. on one side, your Elsa on the other. It's a free power solution. <laughs> Charizard and Elsa will solve the power crisis. Elsa won't mind be going back in the Pokeball afterwards. So, Is there a temperature limit on Elsa's powers? Can she like super cool things? Yeah, we need to find the lore Bible for Frozen. Yeah. Like what, we wouldn't have to worry about low, like room temperature superconductors if we can just have cold stuff on tap. I think her powers are basically... It has to be related to ice or snow, and it needs to be rad in the context of a Disney plot. Hmm. So I think those are the constraints we're working within. Is it only frozen water? Can she make, like, frozen hydrogen? So I haven't seen Frozen 2, (laughs) but I hear that they have some discussion about water and memories of water. Oh, uh-oh. And, yeah, so kind of that homeopathy vein. Elsa Elsa invents Ice-9. Oh, no. Actually, fun fact about that, uh, podcast Ono, Ross, and Carrie, uh, Ross of that podcast, works at Disney Animation, and he apparently put in the word to make it so that there was some undercutting of the discussion about water having memory. Oh, that's cool. Because he... He'd, so there's some quip that Olaf makes that says that it's, you know, not based on, on hard evidence or something like that <laughs> in order to sort of undermine the homeopathy discussion, which I just thought was amusing. That's really funny. Man, I bet Saren would love to get a little help with the super cooling the Hadron Collider <laughs> in the medieval freaking Elsa universe. I don't know if they have these, but... Well, we all know CERN is trying to manipulate the world of time travel. I think that's going to require a little more explanation if you want <laughs> anyone to know what you're talking no, about. No, the people who know, all right. know. Now, what Elsa could do in the context of her life and her country, I'm still a little bit perplexed by, but I guess the firefighting is reasonable. Could she do anything with agriculture? Is there anything useful there? <laughs> well, she could unruin it. Well, yeah, obviously, but... She can create water. Like, can can she undo the ice she's created? She does seem to be able to conjure... Yeah, she, she does that at the end of the first film. She undoes the ice. Well, but she it. does seem to be able to conjure ice crystals out of the air. So, similar to water bending, seems to be able to pull... 
I mean, she made that whole castle. There wasn't that much humidity. Yeah, and she does, like, just turn the world to cold, and she makes a bunch of snow in her house, so she may be able to just produce infinite water. That's what it looks like to me. That could be extremely useful. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think these are good uses. Yeah, I'm satisfied. Are we ready for another topic? This hunger yeah. is sated. Uh, my topic is, why do fish have up and down? So, fish effectively have three like three complete dimensions to work in unlike humans which are locked to our orientation fish can swim in any direction they could pitch roll and yaw but they don't they always have the, their their dorsal fin facing up towards the surface and their eyes like on the top of their heads up towards the surface and like if they care about the surface i guess that's one reason to do it but i feel like fish could there's got to be some reason a fish would want to like just to swim in an, in another direction. So, first of all, not all fish. <laughs> Hashtag not all fish. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but like I'm sure that there are some fish who have their eyes oriented a different way or who swim upside down. There's those ones. There's halibuts. There's halibuts, but the, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but there's these weird super flat ones. They sucker onto whales and stuff. Oh, yeah. But they're kind of upside down in a weird way. Oh, yeah. So, like, if there's a surface, I think it would make sense. I think I have seen fish, like, swim, orient themselves relative to the surface, like a, like a pier or, a, or the ocean floor. Yeah. There's a couple, if you want, like, actual thoughts on why, I have two things in mind. One is swim bladders, I think, are a number of fish use to determine their depth. Yeah. A fish would definitely care about staying at roughly the same level of water pressure. Right. So if you see like goldfish that have infected swim bladders or other problems, you will see them swimming on their side or sometimes upside down because things aren't working right. They aren't oriented correctly. They do okay, but they're, you know, it's clear that there is some sort of orientation in that design. Um, another one is countershading. That's a thing a lot of animals have where they're lighter on the bottom and darker on the top. And the point of, is, of it essentially is to hide them from predators. So predators viewing from them from the top have a harder time seeing them because they're darker. Predators viewing them from the bottom have a harder time seeing them because they kind of match the surface. So fish, I imagine, would especially take advantage of that because fish are in a unique position to have predators both above and below them at all times. So, <laughs> but if you're talking about like the the frictionless spherical fish, right? That's that's free of these constraints. Maybe it's a fish that operates like outside of the lit area of the ocean. Why don't we have some more diverse body plans? Because even like those weird fish from the deep sea are generally about the same shape. Yeah. I, so, if we're talking about spher spherical fish, maybe that's the best uh, shape for resisting water pressure. So, apparently there are certain catfish. I'm looking stuff up now. <laughs> apparently there are certain catfish that just swim upside down because it's e easier for them to eat. So, there's this article on smithsonianmag.com called the evolutionary evolutionary reason why fish don't swim upside down. Okay. And there's a quote here from 
a functional morphologist at Westchester University named Frank Fish. Oh, man. And the article makes no mention that his name is Fish. (laughs) It doesn't talk about this at all, even though it's the most important thing in the paragraph. Somebody at the Smithsonian just went down to the ocean and found a talking fish and was like, yo, why don't you (laughs) swim upside down? And Frank was like, well, let me lay it on you. And he's like, I forgot to ask what his last name was. Right, right. The gist of the article seems to be that fish swim like that because they've always swum like that and there's never been any reason to change. Yeah, that's like, that's the answer for a lot of evolution. That answer is boring. Yeah. It's like the same reason horse are walking up on their fingertips and shit. That's boring. (laughs) So there's a number of fish that swim straight up and down to mimic like Ooh. reeds and stuff. That's true. That's that I would argue is not, it's not quite upside down or anything, but it's definitely a different orientation. Yeah, yeah, they're mixing it up. There's a gel a type of jellyfish that uh just sits upside down on the ocean on the floor of the water. Uh, yeah. It's you know, the bell that's normally upright, it's just sitting on the ground and its tentacles go up into the air. Just waiting for Steve Irwin to step on it. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, those are cool. So, I have to admit, when I was looking up Smithsonian Mag, I started clicking around just absentmindedly and I found this headline that says, three men banned from Yellowstone after trying to fry chicken in geezer (laughs) or geyser, however you pronounce that. Oh, (laughs) okay. I was really worried for a second there. Oh, no. You could at best boil it. You probably could boil it, though. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's some Looney Tunes shit, but like, it would work. But why? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't. And also, you will get arrested, apparently. Well, I don't know if they were arrested. It just says they were banned. Man, we were in Yellowstone, and it was like early in the morning, and we were walking like across the walkway that you're supposed to walk on over one of the cool water features. And this freaking bison just came and stepped all over the water feature. And he was totally like breaking all the minerals. And I was like, man, can't you read the signs? That's just rude. (laughs) Exiled. That's what they should do instead of banning people. They should exile them. Send the bison back to San Francisco where it belongs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess fish just haven't read. They haven't read all those essays about how silly it is when in movies, spaceships always meet facing with the same direction being up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say they haven't read Ender's Game. That's the that's what I was looking for. Yeah. That's that's a way better joke. I'm going to cut mine out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fish just need to read Ender's Game and then they the whole new world of possibilities would be open to them. That's right. Invertebrates don't care. Invertebrates go upside down all the time. No spine don't care. Uh, that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> You could put that on a shirt, though. I imagine, like, with <laughs> yeah. a centipede. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Let's. Uh, this is a write-in. Brandon asks, have you talked about all the video games with the word lords in them? And can you change the title of the show to be topic colon lords for that episode? So, this is the second answer. I'm definitely not going to do that. Aw. But for the first one, I was thinking we could go to mobygames.com, search for lords, and see what we recognize. I haven't thought of a single one yet, so I'm, I'm hoping there are some. Okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I've done the search. 
I'm scrolling through to see if I know what any of these games are. Uh, Lords of the Locker Room looks pretty good. Ooh. Oh, I have played a Lord of the Rings game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I played I a bunch of those. Shadow of Mordor, I think. That was fun. We could talk about Dunk Lords. Ooh. Dunk Lords? Is that what I hope it is? It's a two-on-two basketball beat-em-up. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's not what I was hoping it was. Ooh, number 87. Fubalgot. Lords of Football. Fushbalgot. I don't know, it has one of those letters in it that isn't an English letter, and I don't know how to say it. It's the 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 Schwei? I no, that's the number two. No. That's it's the SH looking sounding thing that looks like a capital B. But they're the Lords of Football. Uh, according to this, Tracy Lords was a actress in Hitman, the complete first season. Um, okay. Does that count? I mean, it's a Lord game. According to this, the House of Lords is a, a government body. But did you read about it on Moby Games? Um, maybe. Listen, if it's like one of those gov- government simulation games, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> Otherwise, fuck up with that shit. Uh, 325, it's called, I have low stats, but my class is leader, so I recruited everyone I know to fight the Dark Lord. Okay. Good. I mean, that's just JRPG the game. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. It came out in 2019 for Mac and Windows. I got a I get I'm getting like a I made a game with zombies in it vibe from that somehow. Uh here's Crusader Kings 2 Horse Lords. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. It's the ninth expansion for the best-selling strategy RPG Crusader Kings 2. I've heard some stories about those games, so maybe this is like you make your own horse dynasty and you you play as a horse. I yeah, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. You don't play as a horse in enough games. I agree. Man, are there any? I was thinking, well, technically you play as a unicorn. Yeah, I was thinking about Clop as well. Oh, I wasn't thinking about Clop. I was thinking of, what, Secret of the Magic Crystal, I think? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or um, Rainbow Unicorn Attack? Oh, sure, yeah. Rainbow Unicorn Attack is technically not a horse, but but pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Here's one called... A uh, holy invasion of privacy, bad man. What did I do to deserve this? A.K.A. What did I do to deserve this, my lord? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting into the bullshit. Okay. Here's a game called Lost Words. That doesn't have lord in it. But it has the letters L-O-R-D-S in that order in it. it sure uh, does. That doesn't count. And here's a game called Lorna. Which has three <laughs> of the letters in it. So that's pretty weak. Here's one called Re-Lord One, the Witch of Her Fort and Stuffed Animals. I'd play that. Yeah, it sounds I'm pretty like good. I'm like actually going to click on that and see what's going on there. I, every time I see Re colon, I just, I think of legal documents, but apparently it's also just a thing in Japan to put Re in front of stuff. As a sequel indicator. Oh, yeah. Like Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Yeah. Uh, I think they just adopted that and didn't realize it's not really a thing that we do outside of legalese. 
Oh. I see Minion Masters, Might of the Slither Lords. Ooh. <laughs> I want to know about the Slither Lords. They look to be... Yeah, uh, what do they get up to? Dune creatures. What do they eat? Do they use the bathroom? Right, that's enough Lords content for the whole year, I think. No one can complain to us anymore that we don't talk about Lords enough. We're the Lord of Lords. Yeah. So, let's move on to the next topic. Let's... Shannon, your topic is lying to kids about Santa. Should you do it? How should you do it? How do you unlie to them about Santa? This is an excellent question. Um, you have a child. Have you lied to him about Santa we, yet? We still, we still haven't. No, we haven't lied to him about Santa, and I'm not sure that we will. We haven't decided yet. Uh, That's a hard decision every parent has to make. I, I used to be like entirely against it, but then I heard an argument. I can't remember from whom, but the argument was that uh, practicing believing a lie is important for later in life when you have to believe in bigger lies, such as life has meaning. Oh, uh, that's terrible. That's a pretty good argument. I was going to take it like one step less far and say, uh, learning that your parents will lie to you and laugh about it is a pretty good life lesson too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yours takes it one step farther to the logical next step. I was thinking more along the lines of the baby's first critical thinking exercise. Okay. Like yeah. giving your kid a lie that is relatively easy for them to ultimately disprove through evidence potentially teaches them to seek out said evidence and come to their own conclusions against a figure of authority, i.e. you, which is maybe a good thing if you do it right. And then they try to do it again with God. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want your kid to be able to think critically and uh, evaluate beliefs that are presented to them by authority figures, I don't know, maybe Santa's a good test run. I buy that. I'm trying to remember how I figured out about Santa... I know somebody at school just told me, like, because, I mean, I went to school with people that are older than me, and so some of them figured it out sooner. Like, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of kids. Yeah. I can't remember f figuring it out. Like, it, there was no light bulb moment for me. There was just a period during which I remember deliberately wanting evidence and trying to set up more... uh possibilities for gaining evidence and then a period at which i like definitely didn't believe it but still was going along with it for fun yep yeah and there was no like clear light bulb i hear all these stories about kids who feel very upset about the lie or finding out the truth or or whatever um but i i don't think there was ever a moment like that for me where it, it it felt like I was being hurt by it. It just felt like, ah, I know that you're playing a game and now I'm playing the game with you. Yeah. I'm I'm really coming around to Jim's first argument combined with that, which is learning how to make believe in this weird social contract that we have come up with. Just like how to behave in social situations where you pretend you want to talk to the other person, or you pretend Santa is real, or all of these things that are clearly false. Right. That alcohol tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can remember the only thing I remember like along this vein is being angry at my dad one time. He, he was like annoyed at me over something. And he said something along the lines of like, come on, you're too old to believe in the Easter bunny or whatever it was. And I remember being upset by essentially a betrayal on his part of said social contract. The parent is not supposed to give up the ghost here. Like the parent is not supposed to tell you the truth. So it felt like he had done something wrong and also sort of the combined element of, uh, you're too old to enjoy this anymore. You're not allowed to have this anymore. That really upset me. Sort of that feeling of you're not allowed to try to get that magical feeling from this anymore because you are too old. Yeah. There's like a, apparently there's like a, an age when you're young enough to pretend to believe it and an age when you're old enough to lie to kids about it. But in the middle, you cannot participate, apparently. <laughs> I read a good, I don't remember where, but I read, I remember reading a good post where somebody, uh, and this works if you have kids who have access to kids younger than them, uh, where they sort of indoctrinate them into becoming a Santa. So the the idea there is basically just like, if a kid has figured out Santa isn't real, then instead of it being this disappointing period where they just don't get to participate until they're an adult and have a child, get them involved in doing the fun adult part of placing the fake evidence and putting on the show for the younger kids. And this one was more like, it was very much more specific than that as far as like, find a person who you think needs something or that you can help or bring some Christmas cheer to and do something for that person. Um, and in that way you are a Santa. And essentially it was kind of you, we told you Santa was one person cause you weren't ready for it. But now that you're old enough, you get to know that Santa is all of us and he's you too. I know the Santa was coming from inside the house. I know that's a weird comparison, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think I would be kind of stoked if I was like, whoa, Santa is everyone. It's a giant conspiracy. And now I get to be part of it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. It is cool. So you can do that with all but your youngest kid. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is that is kind of the rub. If you just have the one that makes it a little trickier too. (laughs) well, this person also extended it to not other kids. But, you know, they were like, oh, find an elderly neighbor who needs a grabby claw to pick up her newspapers and, and seek, you know, buy her the thing or uh, uh, do the thing in a stealthy, nice, anonymous way. Essentially do acts of good Samaritanism in a sneaky, anonymous way for fun was the takeaway, which I thought was kind of, that could be cool. That's cool. That's a wholesome activity. Yeah. Yeah. So last year at the, on the Christmas special, we talked about Pirate Santa, Santa's evil brother who likes puzzles and hiding presents. Ooh. I forget the name of this person who was talking about this, but at their household, they run a puzzle hunt every year. Okay. And and they theme it around Pirate Santa, the evil Santa who hides the presents from the children and the children have to solve puzzles to get their presents back. Do you mean the Grinch? Because you're describing the Grinch. Uh, well, he's dressed up as a pirate. Okay. I think the Grinch just, like, took everything. Yes. I'm just saying, like, 
I'm imagining these households where the kids wake up on Christmas and they're like, oh, Santa came and gave you all these presents, but pirate Santa took them away, kids. Santa <laughs> Here's a map. Santa works hard every year. Pirate Santa works twice as hard because he has to come up with all these puzzles. Right. <laughs> That's a lot of work. I did that for my uh, my cousin when he was younger than me. He was right at that age where it was like, he was doing the whole, oh my god, are we really doing this thing? But yeah, we made like a pirate map and and had him count paces and he had to go dig up one of his gifts from the yard or something. <laughs> oh man, I can't remember the last time I had to count paces. That sounds great. Yeah, it doesn't work as well as you'd think. <laughs> right, everybody has a different pace. Yeah, I, I do really love families that have very niche traditions. Like I, I believe it was your family that introduced me to the concept of writing from blank not not just from santa but from you know the irs or whatever on on the packages just putting a joke in the from field yeah yeah putting yeah. a joke in the from field which i think is is wonderful yeah and have co-opted it occasionally uh when it's appropriate for the gift but oh, i i really enjoy when families do their own little traditions i think we've talked about this before the other thing we we've been doing lately, I guess, just once so far, and I don't know if we're going to keep doing it when, when once he can read, but all using all the possible misspellings of Winston's name, okay, Winslow or Windows, Wensley, or Weinstein, all good. Which I don't know. I we think it's funny. <laughs> that might be a a little bit of a stretch for uh, for anybody else enjoying it. I think he will be the one to hate it most of all, and that will be the real joy of Christmas. <laughs> Santa's never going to learn your name right. Yeah. Listen, Santa has to give presents to millions of children. Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't just call them A, B, C, D, Child ad infinitum. Refer to you by your serial number. That's right. Yeah, you got. we got to put this barcode on your neck so Santa knows which present to give you. <laughs> know it's so that he can track you because he has to know when you're sleeping and when you're awake that's right we got uh we've got our santa smartphone tracking device there's all we're, at some point we're also gonna have to like remove the camera from his bedroom huh how do you decide when to do that i mean so if if he asks us to then we're gonna do it well certainly yeah, yeah. but I feel like there's a point before that. Yeah, we definitely want this kid to want privacy. We didn't have that problem growing up, did we? My parents had a, a baby... No, they had an audio baby the monitor, audio baby not monitor. a video one. Yeah, the video one is way better because you can look at the video and make sure the kid is still there, Yeah, even when he's bonus. not making a noise. That's a bonus for sure. I like that. Until he pulls a speed on you. Right. I really like the idea of dropping a phone into Winston's crib. Just, <laughs> Just call me. Your kid. Entertain yourself with this. Yeah. I, I imagine we, we do live in a scenario where uh, observation of children is much more uh, accessible and heightened. Uh-huh. And I feel like that could play into Santa's game. <laughs> Keeping an eye on them. Here's what they want. Doesn't have to ask them. Just listens. Maybe just put a little Santa mask on top of the camera is what you're saying. Then it's just Santa. Then it's just Santa. That's just Santa. 
I mean, it wouldn't really be a lie at that point. I'm imagining the elves, but they're like the NHS, and they're, <laughs> they're just like watching the screens of all the baby monitor cameras. You mean the NSA, I think, Oops. but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> hey, man, if Santa wanted to provide free universal health care, I'm into it. Even if he has to watch you asleep? Only for kids under the age of 12. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like lying to your kids about Santa might be the right option for teaching them how to blend into social situations that they know are bullshit, but they have to play along for critical thinking, for learning that authority figures will lie to you. And like they'll lie to you. And sometimes it's for your own good. And maybe you won't realize it's for your own good until you've developed enough to really analyze why they did what they did. Man, this really is the gift that keeps on giving. I'm really into this now. I think we should all lie about Santa. Wow. Can you come to my house and lie to my child for me about it? Because I don't know if I'm willing to. Huh. I don't know if your child remembers who I am. So that would be pretty weird. Well, we hired this Santa lecturer. <laughs> I'm a Santa expert. Could you just attend this seminar? There will be no questions afterwards. <laughs> There's this guy. He's not me. He has a big white beard. He's like an old guy. No, I'm not an old guy. He's like way older. He'll come <laughs> to your house and give you presents. I'm not going to give you presents. So if the kid asks me point blank, is Santa real? Like, I feel like I'm totally fine playing the whole lie up and doing the whole performance until that moment. And that's where I'm sitting here being like, do I make a decision based on the child's age or is the fact that they're asking me, does that mean it's time? And like, does it right. depend whether they heard it from someone else who's trying to ruin the fun for them and they could have more fun out of this for longer or that, that feels like a very, what was Obi-Wan situation where he's like, well, Santa is real from a certain point of view in the sense that, I am real and I am going to give you presents and the spirit of Santa is real. What does this have to do with Obi-Wan? Uh, he's just saying that you're, you're t talking about possibly gaslighting your child. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so like, okay. So imagine this hypothetical child, right? Let's say Winston is his name. <laughs> he comes to you and he's... Uh, Winslow, please. <laughs> Winslow, Wensley, sorry. He comes to you and he's, say he's, I don't know, kid ages. He's five. That's an age. I've heard of it. That's pretty little, right? Yeah. So, and and he says, hey, so-and-so told me Santa isn't real. Is Is that true? From a certain point of view. So that's the moment where I, as the mother, am like, extremely angry at whoever told him Santa isn't real because now you're robbing him potentially of uh, a good three more years of peak Santa enjoyment. You know? I don't think but I But I don't want to lie to my kid point blank. So here's, here's one approach you can take. You can confide in your kid. It's true. And then you tell him that Santa is everybody's story. But don't let your dad know that you know. Oh, <gasps> why? Because then the kid gets to have be in on the secret and have oh, more no, fun I meant, pretending. I meant why in this fiction does the dad, can the dad not know? Oh, the dad can know. 
no, 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 no. But why are we telling the kid the dad can't know? Is it because the dad still believes in Santa in the fiction we created? <laughs> or is it like, what, what is the reason? Because the kid's going to be like, why? Why can't I tell dad? It's a lie perpetuated by a mom on everybody in the family, including the husband. <laughs> the dads are homeschooled and so they never were spoiled on this. I was just thinking it's a way to let the kid in on the conspiracy. That that actually is a good idea. If you spin it as just, you're right, you figured it out, Santa is not real. But it's a lot of fun for adults to get to pretend to be Santa, kind of like when you have Halloween and you get to dress up as someone else. Adults like to do that. So can you not tell your dad, keep it secret from him so that he can keep enjoying pretending to be Santa because he really likes that. And then it's the kid doing something nice for someone else and also getting to be part of the secret. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I feel like that has, that has good synergy with your idea of using Santa as an excuse to do nice things anonymously too. Yeah. Be like, yeah, oh, you figured it out. And that means now you get to be Santa and, but don't tell anybody. We just have to do these nice things secretly. I'm into that. I like that a lot. I think that's a really good way to handle that is just make the kid feel like now you're in on the conspiracy and you're in on the fun that comes with it. Something uh, sort of similar vein, something that I'm, I'm really sad that I didn't get to do this year uh, because you might've heard there's um, a pandemic. I've heard. So is that still happening? That is still happening. And as of Halloween, it was still happening. So, you know, a lot of elements to typical Halloweening that that don't really aren't really conducive, but right. uh, I spent my previous Halloween setting up with a bunch of people a pretty dope haunted house locally. Uh, it was very cool. It had many rooms with many different uh, themes in them, and I was super looking forward to doing that again this year. Um, we had all sorts of plot plans to expand it and make it cooler. But um, didn't get to. And I think that sort of is the same thing where with Halloween, my favorite holiday as a child, because there's the whole trick-or-treating fun element, and then you lose that at some point, and the fun has to turn into providing that for other people. So I feel like making a crazy haunted house was the ultimate way to sort of provide that fun and, you know, scariness to, you know, other people, uh, which was extremely enjoyable to do and also very creative. So I feel like you can take it just a similar approach with Christmas where you just got to get really creative about how to let your kid be Santa, like get really wild with your nice things that you do for other people. Very, very chaotic. Good. I'm imagining, Hmm. you know, come up with, plots and plans for how you can how can we we you know we know so and so really wants to uh plant a cherry tree uh so we're just gonna buy it and put it in the ground in the middle of the night (laughs) in the spot (laughs) they picked out you know stuff like that really elaborate see how crazy you can go like what if home alone but instead of defending the house from the wet bandits you are santa breaking in to do nice things well okay no i'm not condoning (laughs) break-ins like the putting the tree in is is, you got to know this person pretty well that's that's crossing a line for a certain don't break into people's houses i'm not saying break into people's houses i didn't say that 
Alex is. Okay. That's so, like literally what he does, okay, though. Okay, so now you have to... Oh, no. What have you done? Oh, no. Okay, wait. So, okay, you need to be careful with this kid, <laughs> especially at five. Because you can't just say, now you get to be Santa. Oh, <laughs> yeah, get the crowbar. <laughs> because then that kid's going to be on somebody's roof trying to get down their damn chimney. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, so you do have to explain that the laws of physics and also the laws of man, <laughs> of man do not apply to fictional Santa, but they do apply to you, a child. <laughs> Well, okay. So yeah, so we're walking that back a bit. <laughs> the moment that you explain to kids about Santa is also the moment you need to explain to them about criminal statutes. <laughs> but why don't they apply to Santa? He's not real. What? What? <laughs> I've got, I know exactly what I'm going to do with my future kids now. What? Well, my kid is a dog, so. You're going to lie to him? Renly? going to look him in Renly, the face? Renly, look at me. Renly, Santa's not real. He just stares at me. See, I did it. It's, it's over. Back to Proud of you. You ripped off the band-aid. He's, yeah. he's eight. He should know by now. Yeah. Is he really? Wow, he's getting up there. Yeah, he is. Spine is still okay? Well, I mean... <laughs> he should be the one wearing the shirt saying, no spine, don't care. <laughs> no spine, don't care. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, after his surgery on his spine... He's doing significantly better. Uh, he doesn't walk so great, but... Um, but he does walk. But he, he does walk, which is, you know, better than we thought. So that's great. Get your dachshunds checked for IVDD, folks. There is a test for it now. Yeah, that's pretty legit. And and what... what uh, I was going to ask, like, what can you then do? But I actually don't think I want to get into the details of... You can not breed it. Don't breed them. Yeah. It's a genetic illness. Don't breed don't breed dachshunds that have this genetic disease. There you go. Uh, are you ready for another topic? Sure. Alex, your topic is, if you had a big front yard with lots of fresh snow and a free afternoon, what would you build? Oh, man. I remember a few times when I was a kid. I didn't grow up somewhere where it snowed. I grew up in like San Diego, so it has snowed there, but never when I lived there. And... I remember a few times visiting like a friend of a friend or whatever and or getting a cabin someplace with a lot of snow and like getting out there and like trying to build like a little like snow fort or whatever. And, you know, given an out my parents would give me an hour or two and I could build like part of a room or whatever. But I'm I was always like, Man, you guys have like a shovel? Can I like get serious out here? And now I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. If I got like some tools, I could like I could make a legit snow house now, but I don't have the snow and I'm just like, what what would you build now that you are grown ass folks with tools and things? To clarify, it did last snow in San Diego in nineteen sixty seven. So <laughs> I was not alive then, and also it didn't snow enough to make a snow fortress. That's true. I'll tell you what I build. Nothing. <laughs> because I have a bad back. Boo. So now that I'm an adult that has access to tools and snows. And I, I just want to provide some context for the listeners here. You had a have a bad back because of building something in the snow. You remember that? I remember this. Uh, yes. Yes. I, it was very memorable. I threw out my back when I was 25 by building uh, a bunch of snow forts and shoveling a bunch of snow in a large 
backyard full of snow. It well, was a winter wonderland. You didn't think about this topic when well, you picked it, did you? Well, what, maybe what would you build with somebody else's spine? Uh-huh. <laughs> Such as Renly's. We can get you a backhoe. Well, when I was a kid and I had a big giant yard full of s- snow, I was really into tunneling into it. Yeah. I remember my grandma's house in Mammoth Lakes, California, had a big deck and the snow would fall, but the deck would prevent it from falling underneath the deck. So you could walk down on the ground underneath the deck and there would be this wall of snow that was sometimes like, I want to say 10 feet high, but I think it was just 10 feet high because I was very small. Sure. So probably not actually. But um, really tall. And so you could just go, you didn't have to dig down. You just go straight in at the side. That's cool. And so I started by making little U's where I'd go in and then it would turn and come out in another spot. And then I started making little branching ones. So we made basically a little anthill out of snow once. That was cool. That's awesome. I'm jealous. I want to do that. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I have made igloos in the past as a child. Igloos seem pretty cool. Wow, that's cool. I don't think I ever like did it really. Well, it was complicated. You would take like the snow and you'd form it. The snow has to be like the right consistency, and then you form it into blocks, and then you just kind of like rub it for a long time, and it sort of melts and forms into an ice cube. Hmm. And then you put it on, and you use like snow mortar, and then you kind of rub that together, and it kind of like ices together. That's cool. I would do that. That sounds cool. Sculptures are fun. But then also I was thinking, like, what if you owned a house in the mountains and you had a bunch of frickin' snow in your yard, and would you want to make some kind of statement in your front yard? Oh, I see. Front yard is the key word here. Yeah, you can you can carve the, uh, the name of the presidential candidate you're going to vote for into your front yard. That works better when it's a year with short candidate names. That's pretty good. Alexandria Ocasio Gorda. That would be a, a hard hard bargain. Could need a bigger house. I I am just I am enamored with buildings made out of snow and ice. I've been going through photos in these uh pandemic times, just trying to go through all of our past trips. And I'm currently going through our trip to Harbin to the uh Harbin Ice and Snow Festival, which is the largest ice and snow festival in the world, which presumably is not happening this year, or maybe China's fine. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, they had a bunch of cool buildings made out of snow or ice, uh, similar to the, like, the ice hotel type thing that you hear about in, in uh, Norway and Sweden and stuff. Um, right, right. And I just think those are super cool. And I think the easy way to do that is in Japan, same trip, when we went to Lake Shikotsu. Mm. So in, in China, right, they've got these beautiful structures that have been made out of these blocks of ice meticulously or these giant walls of snow that somebody's gone up there and carved meticulously into these beautiful sculptures that look like, you know, the, the Roman Colosseum or just amazing stuff. And then in Lake Shikotsu, it's just very cold and they get fire hoses and they just spray water into these columns that freeze. And they just kind of make giant snow buildings out of fire hoses, <laughs> which don't look as pretty. 
but are you know they work just as well that would be me if i had elsa powers i'd be like let it go (laughs) (laughs) no artistry no artistry (laughs) so just the comparison um and then they do stuff like you know they'd make like a little uh sort of a frame of wood and like there was one wall where they just put a bunch of fish in it and then they did the same thing they just fire hosed it and now the wall has a bunch of frozen fish in it so this is also an answer for the the question of what would you do with your ice witch powers? You could build homes for people. Yeah. Not permanent ones. Depends on where you live. Well, or... you just have to freeze your freeze the entire land. Oh, that's true. You you can make the land stay cold. Yeah. This is perpetual winter land now. This is the monkey's paw. This is my ice hotel. I have, I have given homes to all the homeless people. Also, I have ruined all the agriculture and now everyone is homeless. <laughs> You can just eat ice carrots. Yeah. I mean, they grow from your eaves. You could just put it in Baker Seal. There's nothing there. Probably you could get away with it. it to be somewhere. You could make a microclimate of snow. You like Zootopia. In my freezer. I was just wondering how tall you could pile ice on top of itself to make an ice skyscraper without it becoming structurally unsound. You just need to add some ice eye beams. Yeah. Yeah, I think... So the ones in Harbin, my understanding was that they were pretty much, ex- they were exclusively ice and snow. The ones in Shikotsu were not. They clearly had a frame underneath it that they then just sprayed water all over until it froze. The ice I-beams are made out of heavy water. Yeah, if you were clever, you could just make, like, she can make ice out of nothing in any location. You could just make, like, an ice lever and use it to, like, hoist other things off the ground or like do traditional building power like traditional building materials powered by ice lifting and things that's true she can just make tools yeah in breath of the wild link uses his ice generation powers to open doors yeah that kind of thing yeah there are circumstances where just a giant block of ice would be useful or different shapes of ice she could do open pit mining by just digging big holes. <laughs> well, that's not helping global warming very much. Well, I mean, the reason open pit mining is bad is because you need fossil fuels to dig all of the dirt and put it somewhere. And this solves the problem of moving the dirt around. Hmm. I mean, you're still left with a big hole. But then she could fill it What up. was the question? <laughs> oh, what will we build in our front yard? To, okay, a big open pit mine to apparently. make a statement. An open pit mine. <laughs> so one thing that I've seen people do, which I think is amusing, and we we have the necessary components mm-hmm. except for the snow, is uh, if you have a small dog who is not very tall yeah. and the snow is taller than them, make a snow maze or obstacle course for your little dog very good uh with rewards in various holes or locations and then loose your little dog into this wonderland that you have made for them i think that's a cool thing to do with your front snowy yard me too that sounds great it does sound like fun you could also do it with like small children if you have enough well it has to be tall enough and they have to not just Kool-Aid man their way through it. <laughs> well, same with the dog, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this is a this is a room escape game that Renly could enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd really I think he'd really enjoy that. I mean it's like tunneling. It's like tunneling. He's just 
He doesn't get a lot of opportunities to do that kind of thing with his little snoot. Last time I took him to play in the snow, he jumped in a frozen lake and almost died. So Foolish. Yikes. Not a very smart dog. He's fine. He's here with us. He likes to be included. He's sitting in between us so that he can maximize inconvenience for us and convenience for his pets. (laughs) Uh, That's all the time we have for Topic Lords tonight. Alex, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I hope they don't want that because I hope they can't find me. You'll never take me alive. (laughs) Actually, oh no, I'm on the Topic Lords Discord, actually. You can probably find me there. Yeah, Shannon, are you on the Topic Lords Discord? Uh, Am I? Did you add me just today, Alex? Yeah, I invited you. I will be. Oh, good, because you were supposed to be on as soon as you were on the show. Whoops. (laughs) Shannon, if this is something you want, where can people find you on the internet? Do I want this? Is this something I want? Well, I already gave you my Etsy store, sure. Yeah, I guess you can find them find on Etsy. <laughs> uh, and I'm on Tumblr at Whistletown. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having us. It's been a blast. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!